Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from FantasyFootballScout.co.uk. My name is David and today uh, we have the return of the FBL General himself who's back from a well-deserved holiday and we are back with another episode of General's Orders. We've got two episodes uh, of this show coming your way during the international break. More of a review-based episode today uh, as we sort of down tools and take a little bit of a breather from those decisions in FPL but we'll be back to those orders and advice and tips as you make your game week nine decisions next week but as i alluded to there it's been a little while since we've uh, heard from the general who yeah, has been on holiday and i'm led to believe uh, it was it was a good one generally uh, no pun intended uh, but also a very good one from an fbl perspective as well how was it uh, sharing some some big epic fantasy football moments with your family yeah, good to be back, David. Hope you're well. It was uh, I, first of all, I don't really plan my holidays well, do I? I should be away this week during the international break, but I, I took the week before. Must have been cheap flights or something, uh, which which suckered me in. Had a lovely week in Portugal. Went away. It was um, it was a Friday to Friday trip, so we arrived late on the Friday night of game week seven. Uh, first, you know, straight to bed, shattered. Uh, up Saturday morning. Wife straight away, let's go to the pool, let's bring the wee man to the pool. And then I just had a quick look on the television. You know, usually when you go on holidays, you see what, you know, state what channels you have. Usually you've only got maybe four or five rubbish channels, Portuguese, you don't even understand them. But I hit the jackpot, had all the sports channels, Sky Sports, BT Sports, couldn't believe my luck. So I said, you know what, why don't you take the wee man to the swim pool? I'm gonna catch uh I'm gonna catch Brighton and Aston Villa because I've got a stupid and and more importantly, I had Ollie Watkins. So honestly, I've been playing FPL for there since since the early days, 2002, 2003, when FPL started. And watching Villa in Portugal was probably one of my favorite every FPL moments. Ollie Watkins just return after a turn. There was a couple of times I went to tweet just before the game was over, you know, 17 pointer. 20 pointer and I kept having to delete the tweet because he kept getting more returns before I could even post it so very yeah great start to the holiday I knew straight away first game this was going to be a big green arrow and it turned out to be so yeah it was a it was a great trip uh, and very good memories to hold on to forever now watching those Ollie Watkins points in <laughs> in Villa Mira. Oh, that's incredible and in terms of memories um Sonny in the pool I'm guessing you missed that <laughs> 
<coughs> well, she's to be fair, she waited till I came down. So I, oh. I, I literally bounced down to the swim pool, doing somersaults after the, the Watkins <laughs> Hall, and just jumped straight into the pool head first. Oh, um, incredible! But yeah, that was it. Was his he's he's seven months now. That was his first time in a swimming pool. So it was uh, yeah, it was great fun. Uh, he, he he loved it. So uh, yeah, great holiday. Uh, need another one now because back to Scotland with yellow rain warnings and amber rain warnings. So it's uh, back to reality with a bang. The weird thing is those weather warnings honestly look like most people's FPL teams right now with all those, all those yellow and orange triangles. So, um, yeah, you really have timed it particularly well to come back at such a time when the FPL teams are rife with that uh, as well. You mentioned there the somersaults into the swimming pool. If people haven't seen your knee slide on Twitter, they have to. That's possibly your best ever tweet. Um, you know, And also, I'm guessing your, your missus took that. She must be a good sport to join in with that. She could have turned around yeah, and been like, no, a- Mark, I'm not doing something so silly. Yeah, so the, the knee slide was for the the first Ollie Watkins goal the previous week. Was it against Chelsea, possibly? Um, you know, I, I held Ollie Watkins from the start of the season and he, he hadn't scored. I think they'll give me five or give me six. And I said if he scored, I was going to do a knee slide. I said I moved the coffee table so I can do a knee slide. Uh, I'm a bit old to be doing knee slides. The, I'd be a bit worried about doing my ACL if I did a proper knee slide. So it was literally <laughs> a, kind of a fake knee slide. And, and yeah, we were that day in particular as well. We were we were actually trying to get out of the house to go somewhere. She was kind of rushing me out the door, so he wasn't best pleased when I said, "Can you just take a picture of me? Uh, I'm just going to go on the floor. Uh, can you just take a picture?" And she's just like, "What what on earth are you doing?" But she's used to that by now, so she just she was a good sport. She took the picture, and uh, it went down well on Twitter. And I used it again then uh, in Portugal. So I think what I'm going to do, as long as I own Ollie Watkins, every time he scores. The image is going to be used on Twitter. I think that's just going to be the Ollie Watkins celebration from now on. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. And it's always good to get yourself a nice iconic um, celebration or tweet or picture or something that you can associate with a certain player and with yourself as well, because it just sort of, and it's probably enjoyable for other Watkins owners as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed that that becomes um, a proper thing. And just, I mean, the thing is, I have to say, as I said, just big props uh, to the missus. At some point, we should definitely start a series of like, you know, the real housewives of FPL. Um, you know, what is it like being around these 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 man-childs who just want to have their I think that would be. A re- I think that would quickly become the most popular FPL show because I think they would just show us up to 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 what a nightmare we are, especially on Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays when the games are on. So, uh, you know, what are these what are these idiots doing? You know, why do they spend so much time on this stupid fake game? But uh, yeah, there's certainly a gap in the market for a for a show like that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to store that away when Fantasy Football Scout needs a new show. I'm going to come calling. I'll, I'll, I'll message you, but really, I'm after the real talent. <laughs> Uh, so yeah fingers crossed on that one fingers crossed on that one now of course we've, we've talked a little bit about your last couple of weeks um let's talk about how you got on in game week eight now uh 49 points um you took a minus four which is actually not like you in many ways um so yeah um talk us through kind of what, um, what your decisions were for that one and of course i think yeah you know you would have been dealing with a number of flags is my guess um so i wondered if that was perhaps an influence on your decisions yeah, so from the high of Ollie Watkins in Game Week 7, Game Week 8 wasn't as good. Uh, small red arrow, I think, from around 250k to 327k, but overall very happy to be there You know, in Game Week 8 going into Game Week 9. Always have that kind of mini target of top 100k by Christmas. So hoping to get there without any issues. It was the first minus four of the season. I had two free transfers and I ended up making three moves. So Estupanen was injured. Saka was a major doubt. And Rashford was just a disaster most weeks. So I took the opportunity to do a bit of a team, uh, restructure because I'm not planning to play my wild card in nine or 10. So it was kind of setting up 
a bit more for the long term. So Murray Cash came in, Jared Bowen came in, and Hyungman's son. Those three came in for the minus four. Cash and Bowen blanked. I mean, they all blanked, actually. But, you know, the son one was a bit of an insurance policy because I knew a lot of people were going to captain him. I stuck with the auto-captain Haaland strategy, which I'm sure we'll talk about later because I'm not sure if that will continue long-term, given how he's performing and Manchester City are performing and, and the other options that we have. So, yeah, it was it was really kind of a minus four, a long-term minus four, so that I don't have to wildcard in nine or ten. Uh, Villa have good fixtures on the horizon and West Ham also do. I knew short-term, maybe the first game week or two, that cash and bone might not do a lot for me, but I'm hoping that I'll be rewarded in the future with those guys because I've brought them in for you know five, six, seven weeks and, and hopefully longer. It's not just uh jump on and jump off again. Um so it was 49 minus four for a 45. Johnston came in again in goal with a nine-pointer, Trippier with the six, a very impressive two bonus points despite conceding two goals. That's why we pay the extra for Mr. Trippier. Gabriel's been great for me recently. Uh, after a disastrous was it first three game weeks he didn't even play yeah, start, yeah. and you know blocked a few auto subs and all that kind of stuff but he's he's redeeming himself I think he might have three clean sheets for me in the last four or five weeks and looks just a good pick long term now that he's back in the team elsewhere Madison was six Bruno blanked but I will keep Bruno for Chef United and I sold Saka for you know to, to bring in Son and Bowen my my kind of plan is keep Bruno for Chef United and then Bruno to Saka in game week 10 is a bit of a no-brainer because Bruno plays Man City and Arsenal plays Sheffield United that week. So um, basically target Sheffield United for the next two weeks with that spot on the team. Captain Hallam blanks, Alvarez blanks, and Ollie Watkins chipped in with feels like his 37th assist of the season. So uh, feels like after the minus four, the team is, is looking pretty healthy. The bench is not great. Uh, Turner... Nakamba, Bayer, and Gusto. So maybe a bit of work required there. But like I said, no plans to wildcard. Definitely not wildcard in the game week nine. I'll keep an open mind about game week 10, but it's looking most likely that it will be a, a later wildcard for me this season. Yeah, and the handy thing is, is the players you've brought in on that mini wildcard are very in line with players who would probably be in a normal wildcard, Bowen especially, because the West Ham fixtures have very much turned now. I'll just put your bus team on the screen, uh, which from what I can see, the only change, because Bayer, Gusto and Nakamba are still on the bench, uh, is Johnston uh, dropping to the substitutes because he's away at Newcastle, Turner coming in at home against Luton. Um, seems like a fairly um, easy decision that, but I'm guessing that you are pretty happy with what this team looks like going into the next game week. Quite a lot of your players playing at home. That's, there's a lot of that going around at the moment. Yeah, yeah, game week nine fixtures are very, very nice for most managers, I think. And, and even if it's an away fixture, you know, Bruno's got Sheffield United, which is really good. Um, so hopefully there's no issues during the break. I mean, there always is one or two, but hopefully I can dodge the major problems. And ideally, my state of play, bank of transfer. Um, looking at it on paper, Gabriel away to Chelsea doesn't look fantastic, but I think Arsenal have been good defensively recently. Yes, Chelsea's have scored four against Burnley, but Chelsea have struggled to score goals this season. So it's either probably bank of transfer or I sell a Gusto to make my bench a little bit stronger. And whichever defender comes in for Gusto probably starts ahead of Gabriel with a better fixture and then just becomes a bench option after that again. So probably, yeah, probably ideally bank in a transfer just to make it a wee bit easier. I think I've got 0 0.8 in the bank. So Bruno Tosaka is very doable in game me 10, but I think that, you know, I always like to bank that transfer if I can. Yeah, going to start Turner 
But just because it's Luton at home and Johnson has Newcastle away, I kind of want Johnson to become my set-and-forget goalkeeper. But when the fixtures are like this, I think I've got to play Turner against Luton. But after that... Johnson's just been, you know, fantastic this season, and, and I've missed a few of his hauls as well against the bigger teams. I think it was Manchester United. He got the clean sheet as well. So, I'm always, I've always been someone who just sets and forgets a four point five, and it's it's burned me once or twice this season playing Turner. Um, so I will play him this week, but then afterwards, I, I'm kind of actually hoping, even though I own him, I'm kind of hoping Turner loses his place, so I don't have the decision to make every week. Then just play Johnston uh, as my set and forget. So, um, yeah, I think Johnson's even when Henderson is fit again. I think Johnson's just playing too well to be dropped and Henderson's just going to have to be patient and, and fight for that spot. So, yeah, team feels like it's in good shape. I mean, we could be talking in next week's video after a few international games and it could be it could be burning down, but, but hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. I was just looking at Crystal Palace's fixtures. You will hopefully be able to set and forget Johnston as long as he stays as a number one. Probably from game week 11, Burnley away, Everton at home, Luton away. Even West Ham away. I mean, he's probably going to make a lot of saves in that game. And... um Although, that said, Forrest are hosting Everton, so maybe you can do Turner then. Uh, and then Bournemouth at home for Palace in game of 15. So that's four fixtures uh, from a run of five games where most weeks you'd be starting Johnson. And then the the Turner one seems self-explanatory like this week does. So um, hopefully you'll be okay uh, with that one. Crystal Palace definitely have been... Um, Helping people out this season, um, not least uh, as, uh, not least in, in, in my team. And you would have missed this last week in terms of uh, on this video. I definitely bragged about it a lot. Um, I got 15 points, I think it was, off the bench for Joachim Anderson last time uh, because Botman didn't play, which is like so jammy. Uh, it was so jammy. My team is so jammy all the time this season. I've had loads of weeks of jam. And so if you're not, that's not your favorite toast topping, then I do apologize. Um, and it's only because of all the flags. I, I can't actually remember what my... I think I ended up rolling the transfer, and that is what ended up me getting Anderson coming in. I think I was toying with selling Chilwell that week and replacing it with Dan Byrne, and had I done that, fairly confident Anderson stays on my bench. So the crazy thing is, and this is reassuring for people still, how concertina we all are in terms of the overall ranking, when the game week was still in play, and therefore the subs hadn't happened yet, I went down to 900k. And the second that the auto subs came in, I went up to about 448k, I think it was. So I went up 500k places just because Anderson with the 15-pointer came off my bench. Now, it made total sense to bench him because it, it, it was the United game. He was the guy that scored the goal. Clean sheet, bonus, etc. So I have been very jammy. And I'm really sorry to do this again, um, Mark, but um, I had Mickey van der Ven this week. <laughs> he I've was, seen that on Twitter. <laughs> he was the guy I signed. And the thing is, I feel so bad because... The only re I had a load of people think that there was people on Twitter like, wow, how did you call that? You must be such a genius. And I was like, no, I just couldn't afford Poro or Adogi. And I thought I was going into this game really kind of like shorthanded because I thought, I mean, the red card obviously changed things. If that red card doesn't happen, then I think that Spurs probably would have won this game by more. Uh, I, I went for song captain, which we'll get into in a second. Um, you know, I kind of expected those fullbacks to really rack up a big, big haul. Um, probably, uh, you know, double points, uh, double figure points each. Um, and yeah, that's not what happened. And the thing is, Mickey van der Ven hasn't even, it's not one of those ones where the underlying stats have been good. This is what I mean. I didn't spot anything that was worthwhile. I looked at his stats and it was like one shot all season. <laughs> Something crazy. And so the chances of this happening, him being the only guy to score in this game, and he's the guy assigned on Saturday morning, I feel I feel really bad. All I can do is apologise. Um, 
And yeah, the rest of the team is, it also did well, to be fair. I don't think it was a full jam. But yeah, 64 points. Turner, six points. Anderson, six points. I have never cheered a nil-nil more because <laughs> I just felt that both of those teams were heading for a nil-nil. Palace without Eze and Elise. Um, Forest without a one year. That was just heading for nil-nil. Um, uh, Cash, uh, two points. Madison, six points. Mbermo, two points. Diaby, two points. Salah, 15 points. It was my vice captain, so that was a bit annoying. Uh, just the three for Son, I captained him. And my transfer was to do Saka to Son. Um, and then, yeah, it was Chilwell to Van de Ven. And then Alvarez and Haaland up front. Um, the thing is, is that I... I mean, it, some people might find this useful because a lot of people have looked at their teams recently, seen the number of flags and gone, oh, no, like, I'm in just absolute perils. I need to use my wild card. I had, I think, let's work all these flags out. I think I had four. I had Saka, I had Chilwell, I had a Stupinant and Botman. And rather than then necessarily use that as an excuse to use a wildcard when I didn't really want to, I just sort of took a risk and benched the stupid Anna Botman, got rid of Chilwell and Saka because they were the ones that had the money more wrapped up in them and could get me to um, what I needed, which was Spurs defence. And I needed Son, I felt, because having the three captain candidates is like what FPL used to be like. If you had the three of them, even if you captained the wrong one, you know, you limit you limited the damage that you did to your rank and... Um, it is a bit annoying to be this close to have maybe gotten thirty points out of Salah, but um, I think with the Van der Ven thing, I, I, I'm probably I'm probably barred from complaining about this game week, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I basically just went in with uh, what's that, thirteen players. So I only had two subs I knew would play. Flecken, I think, in the end missed the game for illness. So. Archer was the only one who got any points off my bench, but it just shows that you don't necessarily have to throw a wild card at a massive injury crisis as long as you've saved some transfers because I did have two free as I was able to do those changes. So um, it's it feels good to hold on to the wild card through a period where a lot of people have kind of caved because of all those injuries. I don't know. Yeah, if it's you've good. Had it that. does. Yeah, I feel I feel good about still having it as well, and, and I think both our teams are in pretty good shape and, and no urgent you know medical surgery required with a wild card so i'm just hope i'm hopeful that the patient approach will will play into our favor like we we don't know what's around the corner we're getting into the winter months every season for the last five years we've had major disruption to the fpl schedule now i don't want major disruption to the fpl schedule but anything can happen things that we're not even thinking about could happen and even just a bit of disruption to fixtures. If you have a wild card, it can be can be quite useful. And obviously, we do need to navigate, you know, Man City and Brentford's blank game week and things like that as well. So, I am very much looking to keep it for as long as possible around game week nineteen, game week twenty, even. Um, so yeah, it does feel good to have it. And I think we've both managed our squads quite well and quite sensibly. And we've been, you know, focusing on the weakest links. You know, your transfers there, for example, getting rid of Chilwell and Saka and stuff like that worked out. So yeah, we're in good shape, and hopefully. The, the wild card whenever we do use it gives it gives us a bigger boost than it's that gives people around now and it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out yeah. um just go back to your captaincy as well it must have oh, been yeah. uh must have been quite a tricky one when you when you had son Salah and Haaland so interested to hear your thought process and mm. how close how close were you to going Salah well I mean to be honest I was never close to going Salah uh if I'm honest um not because I thought it was a bad option. Um, I was pretty set on it being Son. And the, and the reason why was I felt that um, whilst Brighton's numbers had been really bad defensively, what, 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 tell what, what was interesting was going into the Aston Villa game, then their defensive numbers had been shocking. They were in like the bottom six for like big chances conceded, XGC, all that kind of stuff. And the weirdest thing is, is that after that game, despite conceding six goals, um, 
when you tracked it as last four matches, because that's kind of how I track all my tables, you know, you follow those four matches and then, um, yeah, that they all of a sudden ended up in in the top half for that. And I was like, what? Does this mean that they've conceded a lot of the chances they conceded against Villa were not necessarily big chances? Um, I wasn't completely sure. But either way, Luton had remained um, in sort of the more, um, the doldrums of those kind of tables. They weren't too near the bottom. Uh, but when you consider that their fixtures have been super, you know, uh, favourable of late, Everton, Wolves, um, Burnley, um, and I think uh, Fulham, I think it was, you know, they were basically the division's worst teams for XG creation. And yet Luton was still like in the bottom six or seven over the previous four for that for that stat. So I felt that Spurs, if given the opportunity to really go for that game, that could have been a four or five nil potentially. Um, I didn't see Liverpool smashing Brighton. I saw it potentially being a high-scoring game, but I felt Brighton would give as good as they got. And sometimes that can just change the pattern of the game. You know, there would be times when Liverpool would have to sort of try to contain what Brighton can do going forward. And, and then obviously, in the end, it's finished a draw. And so I feel relatively um, assured in the fact that I made the right decision in inverted commas because while Salah can score against anyone, he hasn't really been doing that as often as we're used to in the last, let's say, 12 months. Um, the game was a draw and it was a much closer run thing when uh, compared with the Spurs game before the sending off it was just all Spurs Um, and so I mean the sending off changed the game I think if it wasn't for that I think Son gets something um, maybe even a brace or something because away from home Spurs are more geared towards doing well as well so that's the other thing as well is that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The way that Spurs play. If that game had been at the Spurs stadium, I might have had a harder time making a decision because we saw with Sheffield United, they're capable of losing 8-0 at home to Newcastle, but they came within a whisker of beating Spurs at Spurs because they just stuck everyone behind the ball. And it took them a long time to break that down. I don't see Son as the type of player who operates best when his team is trying to break down a low block. Because what we saw in that Sheffield United game was that he was having to drop deep to pick the ball up and that was obviously limiting his ability to score in a box. You've moved that to away from home and we've seen that much less often this season. Some of his best hauls have been on the road. So, um, yeah. And I didn't even consider Haaland for one second, um, if I'm honest. Uh, I, I considered Salah more, but only for maybe two seconds. And it was always really son. I looked at the polls as well. He was miles ahead in that. Um, I'd wanted him for a while anyway. I felt a little bit naked without him. And I knew that having all three even if it didn't go as well as I hoped, I'd probably still get a green arrow because Salah's not widely owned enough to do damage to me yet. Um, Haaland, his effective ownership at my rank, I was having a look at livefpl.net on uh, Saturday, Sunday. 
Haaland's EO that weekend was about 137%. So if he got something, it probably would have nudged me down a bit, but not much. But thankfully, he didn't get anything. With Salah, it was something like he was his EO around me was something like 37%. So actually, I was able to celebrate the 15-pointer because he's still not in that many teams uh, around yeah. my rank bracket. So um, yeah, they were the thoughts that went in to all of that. And um, I didn't really hesitate at all, really, putting it on Son. Um, I realise now, of course, I backed the early kickoff, and that's why it didn't work. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm lo- I'm liking this. I'm liking that in the next couple of weeks we might have a bit of a return to the ways of old, where there's maybe two or three captaincy options every week. You need to probably own all three so that you can just about manoeuvre things properly and leverage the captaincy uh, towards whether or not you get a green or red. Whereas for the last twelve months, it's all about what you do around the captaincy that matters. So there's definitely some opportunities, I think. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, yeah, for me last week, um, so I didn't have Salah, so it was a it was a shootout for me between Son and Haaland. And you'll remember the the document I put together at the start of the season. One of the bullet points was auto captain Haaland until there's rotation or injury. So I just kind of stuck to that for game week nine. I know it was against Arsenal, um, and it was really really difficult not to captain Son because I was seeing it in the polls, I was seeing it on Twitter, I was seeing it everywhere. Everyone I listened to, or or you know anything I read, most most people were going for Young and Son, and I was definitely in the minority last week, Captain and Haaland. But I kind of like that because we know how good he is, and there's not there's it's almost you know, almost never you go into a game week where you, you get a Captain Haaland at much lower effective ownership than what he usually is because Salah and Son had the good fixtures. So I think what you know on that document I have auto Captain Haaland until there's rotation or injury, but. One of my other bullet points is always be flexible and be adaptable, and you know strategies can always change. So I'm 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 not as set on auto captain Haaland now every single week after what we've seen in the recent weeks with Manchester City and with Haaland. You know, there's been a I think there's been a couple of games where he's had zero shots. He certainly had zero shots against Arsenal. I think it was zero point zero zero xg. That's not what you want to see. Um, I do think Rodri being back will be will be a big help. I think he's been a colossal loss to them over the last couple of games with that with that suspension. So it's very interesting for the next few weeks because Haaland, Salah, Son and Saka, they all have some very tasty fixtures coming up. So I think captaincy is going to be very, very important. And I think it's going to be the key differentiator between, you know, big green arrows and big red arrows over the next few weeks. If you can get that right and you can fall on the right side of the variant. So I want to, this international break, I just want to, keep reminding myself that I don't have to captain Haaland every week, even though that was my plan at the start of the season. Because if there is a week where, like the last one, if Son's playing against a Luton team who are pretty dreadful, and if Salah's playing against a very open Brighton team, I think I need to I need to give it more thought. And I think I got away with it last week because I didn't have Salah, but I got away with it with Son blanking. Uh, and I think it's not very often Hyung and Son will blank in that Tottenham team playing up front against a Luton team. So I probably have... Eves Basuma to thank for <laughs> my overall rank not getting damaged too much last week. Salah didn't do a huge amount of damage, even though I don't have him. You know, it was maybe 70, 80k red arrow because the likes of Watkins and Trippier, you know, kept chipping in. Uh, and, and people who have Salah, a lot of people who have Salah probably don't have both Trippier and Watkins. They might have one. Some of them might not even have any. Those are wild cards. So I, need, I do need those guys to keep chipping away if I'm going to go without Salah. So I'm going to throw another question back to you now. You had your 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 difficult decision last week because you have all three of them. Mm. Look at the fixtures coming up this week. Uh, Son, Salah and Haaland all have very nice home fixtures again. 
So what are your very early thoughts on, on your armband this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned it there with Rodri. That, to be honest, is the decider. I think Rodri being back and the fact that City have lost two in a row, it's like the most dangerous enemy in any walk of life, whether or not that's football or you know any sort of other scenario, uh, is a wounded animal, <laughs> especially one that you know has claws, right? And so um, that coming him coming back I think is at the moment going to push me towards Heartland I've got um the, the my bus team has it on him um I think whilst Everton at home and Fulham at home do look nice for Salah and Son um I'll go back to what I said there about uh, Spurs at home I think Fulham will throw everyone behind the ball at Spurs they've got arguably the second best or best goalkeeper so far this season Ariola and Leno have really been the standout shot stoppers of the campaign so far so bearing in mind that you know you're going to have Leno there I can envisage a world where Spurs are a little bit frustrated by all the bodies in the way um, Tim Ream as my dad well knows having owned him all season uh, is having a good campaign for them as well uh, they, they can ride the storm a little bit I mean they had it with Everton I think it was game week one I think Everton created an XG of like 3.8 or something ludicrous and then Fulham won the game 1-0 um, if Sheffield United can go to Spurs and frustrate their style of play by reducing the amount of space that they offer behind them. I, I think Fulham could do the same thing. And then with arguably a better goalkeeper as well, I think that's going to impact his potential. I still want to own him because I can foresee a world where they still win and he gets some re- returns. But, you know, you have to, it's fine margins in those captaincy decisions. And yeah, uh, Brighton can't offer a goalkeeper in the same way. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Brighton do play an open style of football. Um, and so even though the underlying numbers may have been a bit misleading or a bit confusing in the last couple of weeks, I do think that um, they're going to give up chances for City and City are going to be ruthless with them because Rodri's back. Guardiola's not happy with the fact they've lost two in a row. That's, I think, I would be very scared being Brighton going into this one. Um, and then just going back to Liverpool, um, Everton are mildly resurgent at the moment, um, at both ends of the pitch, really. They were offering a lot of big chances up um, earlier in the campaign. They were sort of in the bottom four or five. They're now kind of mid-table uh, for the whole uh, season. I'm just double-checking what they've been like in the last four matches. But the thing about Liverpool-Everton derbies is that sometimes the form book just goes out the window and you end up with some really crazy games. Everton can be on a good run and lose 6-1. Or um, it looks like um, Liverpool should steamroll them because they're in good form and Everton aren't, and then it's a 0-0. Um, I can just think of so many times that's happened in the past. And, and so, you know, it's maybe settled with an unfortunate Pickford own goal, which I know would upset some people. But there's just too many what-ifs. And I've seen scenarios before where Everton hosting... Liverpool hosting Everton has resulted in a dull game. Games where Spurs at home, you know, they haven't been able to get past these teams that are, you know, thrown in a low block, for example, whereas I don't have any of that concern. I just basically have fewer caveats at the back of my mind with Haaland. Um, so it's on him at the moment. Um, yeah, likewise, it feels it feels, um, it feels feels like an easy one for me. Again, I don't have Salah, so I have one less uh, captaincy option to consider. So again, Son against Fulham. And, and I was going to mention Leno, if you didn't, I just rate him very highly. I think he's been very, very good um, since he went there. And again, you don't even know which goalkeeper is going to be in net for Brighton, which is which is good when you've got a, a striker playing against them. So, yeah, for me, the Rodri factor is big, the wounded animal factor. Uh, I also like the fact that some people have sold Haaland on wildcards recently. So kind of doubling down on captaincy Haaland to, to hope that, you know, you get a leg up on those people who went without him. Um 
Look at the captain in the next few weeks. Haaland captain for me against Brighton. Probably captain in game week 11 as well at home to Bournemouth. But game week 10 might be the first time I don't captain him. And obviously it depends how he does against Brighton because if he smashes Brighton, I probably will just leave the armband on him against Manchester United, uh, which, you know, they're United are struggling, a lot of defensive issues, uh, underperforming. So I think it's fine to captain Haaland against Manchester United. But I think Saka will be very tempting that week. If Saka plays in game week nine and he's fit for game week 10 at home to Sheffield United, I'll probably be bringing him in that week. And I'll be tempted to captain him in that fixture. If I'm going to play the fixtures on captaincy in Game Week 10, it'll probably be Saka over Haaland. But again, cross that bridge when it comes. But um, yeah, as you can see, I'm I'm moving away from my just captain Haaland and don't, don't give it any thought because I think I was probably wrong last week just to blindly captain him. And I don't want to do that again. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's an interesting time and it, and it, it is weird in a way because this is what FPL used to be like <laughs> when we would actually have a captaincy video. I had Joe do one for this for Scout's YouTube channel last week and it was felt like a, something out of the distant past, perhaps something we should put in a museum, like an actual whoa, an actual captaincy video. What's going on? But w- the interesting thing is, and I'll and I'm now going to ask you a couple of questions about which are directly related to my team, but it's sort of it's all centered around some of these issues, right? If you've got all three of the captaincy candidates, which can be good can cover you off in some of these situations and, and protect you. You do have to forego certain things in other areas. So the issue I've got this week is I don't have Trippier at all. And I don't actually know, if I'm honest, how I would get to him. Um, I've still got a Stupinan. I've still got Botman. As things stand, I'm having to start Botman and hope he's fit. Um, so I don't really know what I'm doing with my transfers yet. I'll wait till the international break concludes and I have more of an idea there. Um, you don't have Salah, for example. And there has been a bit of a weird... 50-50 of late they're not in the same position uh, but just because of what they represent it's kind of been Trippier versus Salah so for me I'm nervous about how to get to Trippier I don't really know how to do it um, I've also got to get Saka back in which a lot of other people are sort of thinking about as well which I think we'll talk about in a second but um, you don't have Salah so you're on the other side of the coin to me on this issue so how naked do you feel without Salah do you feel as naked as I feel not having Trippier I feel like another piece of clothing comes off every week as a non-sal <laughs> owner. I feel like I feel like he'll be butt naked soon. Um, it's funny you said there. You know, you don't have you're nervous about Trippier and you can't get to him. Exactly the same for me. I'm nervous about Salah. Don't know how I can get to him. So it's in, it's a very interesting FPL season. We've got to make decisions. We've got to go without really really good picks. Trippier and Salah are two of the best picks in the game at the moment. But to have both of them is not straightforward if you've got Haaland and Son as well and, and a few others. So, um, again, I don't want to... I've had no Salah all season and I don't want to just be stubborn and just say, right, I'm just going to... I made my decision. I'm going to just go without him. Uh, part of the reason I'm hoping to bank a transfer in game week nine, like you, I want to get Saka back game week 10. But with two free transfers in game week 10, it also opens the door of a wee bit of surgery to get Salah you know, let's say Salah goes out again and and does really well against Everton. I'm not going to have much choice but to, you know, try and get him in in game week 10. And even if that means not getting Saka, you know, it might just have to be the case. So I I don't like not owning Salah at the moment. He's obviously performed. He's very consistent. Kind of reminds me of Harry Kane last season. He just performs week after week. He gets you something every week, even if he's not your, got your, your armband every week. So, yeah. I'm a very happy Trippier owner, and obviously he's going nowhere. Uh, and you know, can throw, kind of throw Watkins into the mix as well because I'm able to afford Trippier and Watkins because I don't have Salah. 
And as long as Trippier and Watkins continue to deliver, um, if they can just, in my mind, if they can kind of match Salah together, um, for you know the you know similar price when you add them together or whatever. So, yeah, it's tricky, and that's why as well. I'm not going to say definitely no wild card in game week ten because if it gets to game week ten and Salah's just performed really well again, if I want Saka, maybe a wild card game week ten to get Salah and Saka um, is is justifiable, and then just tidy up around the fringes as well uh, for the long term. So. Yeah, keeping an open mind on all of this stuff. And yeah, it's getting to the point where where Salah will be giving me sleepless nights soon, I think. <laughs> well, one thing that um, sort of sprung to my mind when you were talking there um, was something that Pranz said at the start of the season. I can't remember if it was on Deadline Dilemmas or or if it was on a video with me when I did a team re- reveal with him. He basically said that this could be the season where we have to forego certain um, schools of thought. Uh, that other people are sort of more uh, on board with and and stick to that decision. Uh, and then sticking to that decision is arguably going to be a better tactic than necessarily flip-flopping between those two positions. You know, having FOMO one week and breaking your team to get one of them at the expense of the other because then the next week actually it was a really good one for Trippier, for example. Um, and you'd rather have him. If you can find ways to mathematically match those players that you haven't got with other differentials, then maybe that's going to work. I mean, I've got a little bit lucky in that regard in that uh, Anderson and Van der Ven have kind of covered off the things I don't have, you know, because Van der Ven's outscored Trippier this week. So I've gone up to 153K, but I, that's not going to happen every week. So I do uh, need to find a longer term solution there. Um, so yeah, it's just an interesting one because in the past, I think the template kind of moves all together and you sort of feel like we're all in the same boat but what I find actually a good thing about this season is that you've got um, a no Salah camp and a Mo Salah camp uh, actually on even just on this particular video slash podcast one of us has gone with one route one of us has gone with the other but neither one of us feels like we're having a bad season uh, both of us feel relatively happy with where we are we don't feel like we need any massive major surgery right now we've got the same idea for our wild card so that in and of itself I hope helps people feel more comfortable with 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 whichever camp they've chosen in terms of worrying about grass being greener on the other side because we're kind of we've gone different ways but it hasn't there's not like a huge gap between our two overall ranks and the way kind of the way i'm thinking about it as well this week's a good example where i had a red arrow because i didn't have salah and obviously he did really well for captainers and you know, you log into social media and you see people posting their screenshots of, you know, Captain Sal 30 points. And straight away, that creates a FOMO. It says, play the wild card, get Salah. What are you doing? You're an idiot. All the usual stuff that goes through an FPL manager's mind over the course of a weekend. But, there, you know, you take a step back and you think, right, this was Salah's game week. You know, game week nine could be Haaland's game week. Game week 10 could be Sun's game week. It's going to, that's the nature of this season. There's going to be there's going to be swings probably right the way through. It's pro- it could be the most swingy season we've ever had. You, you know, there's there's Salas and there's no Salas. Now we're even seeing teams where there's Hallands and there's no Hallands. So, you know, if Haaland bangs in a hat trick against Brighton and gets forty points, as we know he's done a few times in the past, you know, how do the wild carders feel then? And do they knee jerk back to him, or do they stick to the plan? Um, so it's a very I'm really enjoying the season uh, and kind of. Not just with my team, I'm I'm enjoying the overall landscape, and it's 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 intriguing every week and watching the thought process of other managers and and how they're playing. I'm keeping an eye on on a couple of mini leagues and you know the different strategies that are at play. So 
really, really good season on the cards, um, which is what we needed after a very boring, probably the worst ever season last <laughs> season with everyone with the same teams with double game weeks and stuff like that. So long may it continue. And the more the teams start to, to diversify, the better it is for the game overall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the the diversification of people's teams as I said, isn't seemingly uh, creating a massive disparity in terms of how people are getting on as well, which is nice to see. There are people having bad seasons, there are people having good seasons, but I don't think that's necessarily being uh, dictated by which side they fell, uh, which side of the coin they fell on the major issues, um, which, which I like to see. I think that as a group of managers, we're all learning to deal with the idea that we're going to stick to the plan rather than necessarily flip-flop because of FOMO. And that's nice to see. It kind of just means that as a group, we're all kind of maturing and coping with the idea that we don't uh, have a certain player, which which I think is just, I, I think it's good. I just, it, I feel like, as you say, the, the landscape of the game um, is in a really good place. One other thing I just wanted to ask you about, actually, to be honest, just looking at the fixtures, um, because yeah, th- there's a bit of a sack, there's a no sacker, sacker, uh, kind of thing at the moment because some people got rid of him for this game. Uh, we both got rid of him for the most recent match um, and ways to get him back in. I was kind of looking at maybe it could be Son who makes way. Um, that's what I'm thinking, looking at the fixtures, uh, thought about uh, yeah, what, what you might do because uh, game week 10, when you've got Arsenal at home to Sheffield United, uh, you've got Spurs away at Crystal Palace. Um, Arsenal do admittedly go away to Newcastle in game week 11, but Spurs then host Chelsea. And they are two of the teams that have actually defended really well this season. What would be your thoughts in letting go of... Son for Saka. It's probably someone that I just felt like we didn't mention his name in that Saka back in conversation. So I thought I'd just briefly touch on that because I'm already looking at as that as an opportunity to get him back in. Yeah, everything is on the table here. I've got the the Spurs fixtures in front of me as now as well, and I mean it's it's similar to selling Saka last week. I thought even if Saka was fit, I don't mind losing him for Man City and Chelsea, and so the same thing goes for Hyungman Son. You know, I don't think he's a must-have keep all season. And, and when it gets to, uh, you know, game week 10, Spurs play Palace, Chelsea, Wolves, Villa, Man City, West Ham, Newcastle. It's actually quite tricky for quite a while. You know, there's no bankers in there. You know, Wolves are performing well, Palace are defending well. So I think that's definitely an option. Um, you know, people who maybe don't have any Manchester United midfielders like I do, you could you could sell Son for Sack instead and go with just Madison or or, or even no Tottenham midfielders. You know, there's no right or wrong answer here. But um yeah, it's good you brought that up because I hadn't really given that too much thought. Because I have Bruno and it just feels easy to sell Bruno for Saka when when Bruno's got Man City. But Son out obviously frees up a bit more cash as well to make things easier elsewhere. So yeah, good, good, good you brought that up. One thing I'm going to mention as well before I forget was I was just thinking when you were talking there about the, the swingy game weeks and stuff. And something I I do quite often, if I'm going into a game week, and I think it's very important this season, I went into the last game week with no Salah. I didn't captain Sun and I captained Haaland. And I kind of knew myself there was a very good chance of a red arrow. And I, I just said that to myself, as soon as the deadline passes, chances are here that there's going to be a red arrow. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overreact. You've got to you, it's 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 impossible to get a green arrow every week. Um, and some weeks, just going into a game week with low expectations makes it a lot easier to deal with if things don't go your way. Then because you were already prepared for it, and then it, you know if things go well, jackpot. You're you're feeling even better because you you had low expectations. And I do that very often. The weeks where I bank a transfer. I, I have low expectations because I think right everyone else or most other people are, are making a move here. So maybe they're one step ahead this week. So 
give me a grey arrow or a small red. But then the week after, two frees, maybe th- maybe three transfers. That's when I can really, you know, boost past them, even if they've got a leg up the week before. So I think it's a, it's a good it's a good exercise to do. Um, if you feel like your team's not fantastic on paper, just have low expectations because it does make it easier to deal with then when the red arrow comes. I've got a red arrow. I knew it was probably going to be a red arrow, and I'm looking at banking a transfer now. You know, there's no panicking going on. I always can't think of it as well. You know, it's just sometimes it's short-term pain for long-term gain. And again, the the waiting for transfers is a good example. You've got a short-term pain of watching players rise and fall. But then also this week's a good example. I got my red arrow, but I brought in Cash and Bowen, knowing that the fixtures of maybe the, the first two game weeks of one of them were not fantastic. So I knew there could be some short-term pain there. And that certainly was the case in game week eight. But I'm hoping by the time I get to game week 10, you know, even if it means two red, two red arrows, game week eight and game week nine, take the red arrows on the chin. And if it means four green arrows in a row, then with cash and bone with better fixtures, among other things, then overall you're going to be up on the deal, you know, in six or seven game weeks time. So always try and think of the bigger picture and don't zone in too much in just one game week. Absolutely, which is a good, uh, now is a good time to think of that because, of course, no decisions ahead of us this week. All those decisions are going to come next week after we've had those international break uh, fixtures. And that is when we will be able to return to our usual cadence of three individual orders. We're just waiting for the injury situation to fluctuate because one of those orders could very much be about one of those guys with a flag on it. Well, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this uh, video today. Hopefully you found it useful for us to sort of uh, talk about some things more in review form rather than specific issues. Um, Of course, if you um, have have not had a chance to sign up for Fantasy Football Scout membership yet, now is a good time to do it because you might get a little bit bored without decisions to make in the international break. And so if you want to review the season statistically, then now is a good time to do that. Save up to 30% on those pre-season prices. Of course, if you've enjoyed this video, uh, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe to the channel and hit that bell notification uh, as well. Um, That's everything that I uh, need to pass on to the troops, uh, Mark, unless there's anything you'd like to add before we go. No, I suppose no orders this week, but maybe a sneaky one. Uh, just switch <laughs> off. Switch off now. If you're listening to this in the first week of the international break, switch off until next week. Uh, come back come back fresh and, and refreshed and ready for battle in, in game week nine. So, yeah, some downtime is always good during a break and come back ready next week. Mm, yeah, good advice indeed. Well, with that, we shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your international break and we shall see you next time. <laughs>